listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. One of the most interesting things from my view is I started on this path in foreign lands, at least, was the notion that this work is augmented when we deny the body. When we stop paying attention to the body and just kind of move on with uh, practices of wisdom and compassion, then we're, you know, we're closer to awakening. And it just seems like so much is getting left out when we do that. That, in fact, we can become truly divided rather than unified, part of the universe or one song, if we deny any aspect of our being in this process. Buddha said, within this fathom-long body is found all of the teachings, is found suffering, the cause of suffering, and the end of suffering. It's all right here. There's nothing other than this very body that's needed for us to awaken in this life, to be reminded of what is truly us. And this shows up in really miraculous ways. And the miracle, just so I can be really clear that I'm speaking about in this case, is not uh, something supernatural at all. That's just fun and games. The real work, the real miracle, is that we awaken here, now, in this life. That's the miracle. That our approach towards all things begins to shift Sometimes rapidly, sometimes gradually, but the shift nonetheless begins when we're reminded of what we really are and have always been. When that is uncovered in practice, in situations with teacher, teaching, and group. I'm going to read a quick poem by Galway Cannell called uh, St. Francis and the Sow. Love this. Of course, I guess that biases it for all of you, so I pretend I didn't say that I love this. Okay. The bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower, for everything flowers from within of self-blessing. Through sometimes, though sometimes it is necessary to re-teach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on the brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch. It is lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. As St. Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow and told her in words and in touch blessings of earth on the sow, and the sow began remembering all down her thick length from the earthen snout all the way through the fodder and slops to the spiritual curl of her tail the long, perfect loveliness of Sao. K.
can we remember where it all starts? That everything arises within God, from God, through God. Put another way, that everything comes from emptiness and falls back into emptiness. That we ourselves are made of emptiness. That we give emptiness. That's where the mind freaks out. That's where the ego says no. The ego says no. I give something special. And that's true, partially. But when you're really reminded the beauties of Sao within, when you're really reminded of what is sacred within, it begins to show itself on the outside with a very beautiful and powerful resonance that ignites a spiritual passion that carries us through any dark night of the soul that we might be trying to just make it through. And when we do this, we don't leave anything out. Nothing's left out. We take our bodies with its blessings and hardships. We take our mind with its great gifts and its hindrances. We take all of it and sit with it and relax. We just rest. We give everything a break. And in giving everything a break, we have this amazing potential to wake up, fall awake. Instead of falling asleep, we fall awake. So let's try to fall awake in our meditation tonight. All we're going to do here for 30 or so minutes is just with our backs, you know, facing each other and facing outward, can we just be with all that's there? Can we be reminded through touch and through teaching what we really are and just be there? Beyond the traps and snares of our mind, beyond the greed and aversion of our egos, can we just be there with our sleepiness, with our jitters, our nerves, our discomfort, all of it, all of it, all of it. If we can just stay there without flinching, what we do is we begin to slow down the inertia of our typical. And what happens is there is a chance for everything to blow apart. And as scary as that sounds, it's the path. And when everything blows apart, again, the miracle arises. And that miracle is we can then be awake for all things when there's nothing left to defend. When we, we, when we become truly defenseless, there's nothing left to defend. That's when everything is whole. Both sides are whole.
perhaps one of the most difficult things for us to do as practitioners is to come from some realization or inkling of realization and then bring it into and through our bodies. How do we embody awakening? You know, how do we embody enlightenment? How does one walk through the world as an awakened being? And the answer is going to surprise you, but an awakened being walks through the world just like you. When you're no longer identified with thoughts in the mind or feelings in the body. When you're no longer identified with uh, preconceptions, when you're no longer identified with uh, suppositions, when you're no longer identified with, when there's nothing there in you that is grabbing and sorting data as it comes to you. When there's nothing in you that is no longer putting uh, a label of I like this, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this, or I really don't like that, I really want to avoid that at all costs, I kind of like this, that's okay. When that quiets down and we're no longer identifying with the thought stream that's going along, everything becomes alive with spirit. We're able to walk through the world with every bit of our being participating in the process of the walking. We're unfettered. We're no longer kind of uh, snared by anything. Nothing catches us. It's not that driving down Highway 1 near Big Sur doesn't just bring us, you know, tremendous uh, joy. Especially when the fog is just, I mean, you know, of course, but we're not caught by it. We know that it's, it's temporary. The experience of the coastline is a temporary experience. We may revisit it. I promise it won't look the same, just like the, the, the sky never looks the same. But we start developing this ease with our gains and losses. This ease with our gains and losses allows us to move through the world differently. We're no longer trying to preserve, protect, and defend anything. That doesn't mean that things aren't sacred to us. It doesn't mean we deny the love, for instance, that we may share for a significant other or for children or for the planet or for this country or for all people on the earth or whatever. I mean, pick your attachment doesn't mean that you don't have an, you know, an affinity for those things, but that affinity becomes informed by infinity. We go from affinity towards things to infinity, recognizing it's all one thing, and that we are participating in that great cosmic dance with the slightest of giggles.
that there is grace and ease in each and every single bit of our motion. That's how we embody this teaching. Sometimes you can actually see uh, people. I, I, I've run into a few in my life where the, the presence is so incredible, you can, you can almost feel it. Um, in Nepal, I ran into uh, uh, a gentleman who was like this, and it was just the most... I described it before. Uh, it's like candy. You know, just sweet, like candy. This man's presence. And uh, I kind of asked him about it. And it was, you know, uh, he called it Shakti. Shakti, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just, it happens whenever you just inhabit your body. And it was such a shock to me because uh, especially as, as someone who has participated in athletics most of my adult life, and even as a kid, my body was something that was just this, it was this vehicle that I paid very, very close attention to all the time, but I knew that I did not pay attention to it like he paid attention to his own. He did not seem to pay attention to his body by shining the, uh, by, you know, by waxing the finish all the time. He wasn't busy getting the dents out. He wasn't busy trying to make sure he maintained a washboard stomach. In fact, it was far from washboardish. It kind of went into like its, its own zip code. It was really amazing. He had this belly that was just, wow. But there was this absolute, just resonant beauty to this man. He was so comfortable in his own skin which is such a task for us, especially as we live in a culture that seems to be predicated on making sure we are really uncomfortable in our own skin. Because as long as we're uncomfortable in our own skin, we can buy something else that'll help us be more comfortable until we get uncomfortable again. Then we can buy the new and improved version. It's possible not to be caught by any of that. possible not to be caught by this life. We can, uh, we can be in it, but not of it. So our participation then helps us embody this teaching. Our participation, when it comes from a place of openness, when it comes from not trying to gain or lose push away I should say we're not trying to gain push anything away we're just trying to be we pay very close attention to how this body of ours works what's really good for it what's not good for it knowing that it is the vehicle for awakening we do well to take all of us will do well to take care of this body And perhaps the most important thing we can do in taking care of this body is recognizing where it really is in this moment. How often do you actually really feel? How, how does your body feel right now? How does it feel? 
Is there tension anywhere? Are there blockages anywhere? Are you holding? And this can be a really wonderful starting point for practice. If your meditation has started to feel flat, if you just can't seem to go, if you will, I hear this a fair amount, I can't seem to go to the next level. <laughs> well, going to the next level really is a perpetual, perpetual uh, spiral. It keeps going. And there comes a point when we have to face what's going on in our body. Especially when it hurts. Marcel Proust's line, I love this. Illness is the most heated of doctors. To goodness and wisdom, we make only promises. Pain, we obey. <laughs> And in this way, kind of a, kind of a, uh, you might look at this as kind of a sick way, but it's at our pain that the fire really turns up. When it's emotional, great. If it's physical, great. You've just been diagnosed with what? Great. Carl Jung used to say that too when, when his uh, patients, <laughs> Dr. Jung, you would not believe what's just happened. My wife left. Um, uh, my my uh, my children won't speak to me. You know, I'm drinking too much. I've just developed an affinity to cocaine because I was visiting Dr. Freud and he told me to take it. <laughs> That's not a joke, actually. But uh, so I have all these horrible. Th and what was Jung's response? Excellent. Excellent. Now we've got something to work with. It's like we're always getting tested. This body, this mind, all of it's getting tested. The universe gives us exactly what we need, exactly what we need in order to awaken. It doesn't give us what we want much of the time, but it gives us what we need. It gives us what we need to awaken in this very body. Hakuin Zenji wrote, I'm reading, in, uh, reading this quote. He says, all beings by nature are Buddha, as ice is by nature water. How sad that people ignore the near and search for truth afar like someone in the midst of water crying out for thirst. Truly, is anything missing now? Nirvana is right here, before our eyes. This very place is the pure lotus land. This very body, the Buddha. So to this end, please recognize that the Buddhas of today and yesterday, they got nothing on you. Got nothing that you don't have. 
just like the scarecrow, he had a heart. He had a a brain, I mean. Just like the scarecrow had a brain. Just like the tin man had a heart. Just like the lion had courage. It's all right there. There's no place like home. I'd like to take a break for a couple minutes and then uh, we'll come back for some Q&A. Please feel free to talk as long as it's about the teaching or the reading. Okay? It's not that high hawarias aren't fine. They're absolutely fine. But what they tend to do is allow the mask of ego to get reaffixed. And usually what we try to do in meditation after a Dharma talk is just peek behind that just a little bit. So if you could, you're welcome to talk. You're welcome to say hi. But please, if the dialogue begins to flow, can you let it be about this? And it can be about, boy, Mike's full of beans. Boy, I just, I've, it can also be, oh, that worked. It can also be, yeah. you know. <laughs> it was okay. You know. All right. So let's take two or three minutes and I'll come back. water. I keep trying to straighten it, it won't work. <laughs> it's not crooked. Well, it's a, I have a little, it clicks. It's a w water polo injury. It's not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little nip, little tuck. Yeah. Well, that's too bad because all of ours are perfect. That's right. That's right. If only my nose were straighter, everything would be fine. Yeah. How did the uh, talk or the chapter strike any of you, or did was there anything that came up that was uh, of interest in in your in your conversations? I'm curious. Yes, ma'am. Um, my friend Cass came today. Going back to when you started your chat and saying, What is it that Michael said about emptiness or being empty or emptiness? And uh, then I said, Well, it's. And then I said, Let's ask Michael because I. 
so she asked you the most profound question in Buddhism, pretty much, and uh, and you didn't know how to answer it. <laughs> Guess what? That's okay. Uh, uh, I had this urge to interrupt you and say, "Wait a minute, say that again." <laughs> right. Yeah. Is isn't that interesting? It's an it's an interesting interesting word, emptiness. Um, I like it so much because it stops the mind. Right? It stops the mind. God doesn't stop the mind. Because when I say, or anybody says God, each of us immediately conjures up literally an image of what God is. We actually have an image. And then what we do is we modify it into, well, no, it's more of a force. Right? Then, then we start negotiating, well, what the God actually is. And we have this whole mental series of reactions, pictures, stories, about what God is, right? There's so much baggage that comes with God that God, instead of becoming light, actually becomes very heavy for many of us. So heavy, in fact, that we're willing to fight for our version of him. And kill. And kill or be killed in the name of whatever. And the, uh, the Buddhist approach depending on which, I mean, I can't say like all Buddhism is without deification because there's tons of it, you know. But when we're, when we're talking about the, you know, these, these teachings that go literally beyond the mind, what we're talking about is that which is beyond the concept of God. And so rather than say God, what if we use the word being? You're never not being, Right? You're always being. Or we use the word awareness. You're always aware, more or less, to varying degrees. Maybe you're hyper-aware. You have a, a, a state of what Joseph Campbell calls hyper-consciousness. You know? Or you have uh, uh, just, you know, whenever you kind of bring yourself around, literally, during the day, or even as you're starting to go to sleep, you can try this, actually, as you start tipping, you know? you can actually be aware of the sleepiness, aware of the tipping. You can be aware of what we call that hypnagogic state. You know, kind of, uh, uh, you know. That awareness, is it a thing? It's not really, is it? It's just kind of a force. It's empty. It's empty of anything we can really grasp. It just is. And so that's why we use the term emptiness. And that's just so we can talk about it. But the phys uh, physicists and so forth actually kind of, uh, and I had a real neat discussion with one not too long ago about this. He goes, yeah, I think that's kind of a cool thing because really we are space. You know, we have, the, the, we have electrons and protons and neutrons and then quarks and all, all that other stuff. But really most of us is space. So emptiness, that, that works. That works for me. Buddha boy, thank you. That, that, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry I kind of interrupted you there. Oh, uh, did you say something about you know, we come from that and we're yeah. going back towards that? Yeah. Because I thought you did, but I. Yeah, in other, words, in other words, if we look at kind of this emptiness, this just total uh, spaciousness, being, awareness, everything kind of bubbles up into our awareness. Everything. My voice. Thoughts, 
for you feelings, they bubble up kind of out of this gaping maw of, I love that phrase, by the way. I'll be using that quite frequently over the next few months just because I like it. But this gaping maw, the gaping maw, yes, of nothing, something comes. Out of nothing, out of no thing, something arises. Either it's internal or it's external. A car speeds by and it comes up out of, it, it just kind of comes up for us in our awareness out of what was previously still, motion arises. So the thing that's always there is stillness. It's always there. Movement varies. Stillness doesn't. Stillness is just still. They're not varying degrees of stillness. There are varying degrees of motion. And so what we do when we sit here in meditation is we, get, we just stop. We shut up, sit down, stop. And guess what shows up? What we always already are still. And then when we relax into that enough, when we literally are in that emptiness and we physicalize it, okay, and we also cognitively become empty, we just stop thought. It just, on its, on its own, it just kind of stops moving. That's our full expression. That's the full expression. There's no ego, there's no mask, there's no agenda. It's just Cass. It's just Michael, Jim, Lucy. Victor, whoever. It's just, right? And we practice that again and again and again and again. And pretty soon, rather than the mask becoming our central reality, what the mask has always covered actually becomes a deeper, more profound, enriching, peaceful, embodied, wholesome, universal reality. And then we go get Zachary's pizza, and then we, you know, Good and a good Pinot, yeah, good Pinot Noir. We 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 sew it all together. It's not about living on the mountain. It's not about going away. It's not about running away from anything. It's about being right here in this life, no matter what disaster befalls, no matter what raging success you might have. We just become more of what we always have, what we always have been. So that's the short answer. <laughs> yeah, don't ask for the long one. Yeah, you got you got got to go on the retreat for the, the real long answer. There's still space available. Space is limited. Right. Right. No. Anything else? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. We were talking, and I think we could have talked a lot. Yeah, little colloquy over here. I noticed that was kind of nice. Well, we, I think we could have gone on a lot. But as I was listening to you speak and all, and in my own head, mm-hmm. my own tape, uh, the work we've been doing with you and other work that we, each of us have been doing, um, and you talk about awakening, and in my, I'll speak for myself, in my own case, I feel like I get it sometimes, 
except when I don't, uh -huh. which is most of the time. Right. But I have acquired some tools through this work. Right. Which is quite nice to have some tools to work with. It's nice when my awareness level taps into that. And I'm really good at it, except when I'm not, mm -hmm. which is most of the time. So is that just the nature of being a new practitioner, or is that just the nature of the human individual? So just so I can make sure I'm really clear on the question, sometimes you feel like you get it, and sometimes you feel like you don't. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the question? It's, it's more often than not, but sometimes I'm aware that I'm alert. You're aware, you're aware that you're aware? Yes. Right, yes. right. Sometimes you're aware that you're aware, and, and other times you're not. Correct. Welcome to life. <laughs> okay. Now, the, the, you'll find that even the, the most uh, practiced of practitioners will slip, okay? But there is a certain, it's all, there's a little, a little measure to all this. It's, it's almost as if the, as you continue on, Claire, you'll, you'll see very naturally that stuff doesn't catch you like it may have in the past. And more and more and more, there is, I always use these two words, grace and ease. There's a grace and ease that kind of starts to permeate even when things get really rough. And the awareness of awareness begins to occupy more as opposed to less of that uh, percentage of emptiness, of being. You become conscious. Uh, you become more deeply aware at a greater and greater and greater uh, rate. And it literally, the rate increases. The, the rate at which you are, you become more and more awake, okay? And I believe that this practice really is about supporting that process with stillness. So that, in other words, the shortcut, the way this happens, the, the way we actually increase the rate is to sit. And we then experience the mystery and the miracle of being right here, ready for this life in this body, continually. And when stuff catches us, we become aware of that catch, and the light of that awareness shines on that darkness, and it's no longer dark, and guess what happens to the hooks? They kind of disappear, and we continue. And rather than that meaning that we are deadened to this experience, it means we are hypersensitive to it. We become more sensitized, more tenderized to this life. And with practice, we recognize that we actually are strong enough to carry the whole thing. Now you ready for the twist? We can carry the whole thing because it doesn't weigh. It has no weight.
that in us which is light and pure and open begins to meet that which is light, pure and open even in darkness that in us which is light, pure and open shines and radiates darkness cannot survive in light light can survive in darkness but darkness cannot survive in light and we begin to shine and we see others shine which ignites our own fire Here's to ignition. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yes, you may. One of the things that Jane and I were talking about was that we both find ourselves with a need and desire to connect. Is that because that, is that because we're as we get more in touch with our stillness, our our oneness, that our oneness basically wants to connect with the oneness of, of everyone else? Or is that equal? So the question is, does, does the desire to connect from us, is, it, is, it, uh, uh, is that ignited, if you will, by practice? Or is that need to connect with others actually fueled by something other than what's awake? Right. right. The, the need to connect with people is entirely egoic. Because it makes us feel... What? Whole, right? And what this practice shows us is the wholeness that's underneath all of that already. Which means that our connection that can come from that place of already all, always whole is beyond anything that anyone can put into words. Poets get close sometimes. But the, the, the urge to connect is because ego is perpetually feeling a sense of lack okay we're already connected the thing in you that doesn't feel connected is ego and so to practice this that gets to be so interesting um, because it means we have to practice being alone with others it's really tricky. It's really, it's beautiful also because it's such it's a strain for people who really like, you know. Uh, uh, I, I use this so much, uh, but it's 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 uh, it's a it's a form of grasping. Try not grasping. Try being intimate. Intimacy is not grasping. Intimacy is there, totally being there. Yeah. Don't we have a Psychological, emotional need for people. Yeah. Stroke to be accepted. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Right. Yeah. Well, the the mind the mind is definitely the ego is definitely going to be that's that's where it's totally centered. I'm talking about what's beyond that. Okay. So that's it's all natural, and what Brad's talking about and Jane's talking that's totally natural. Okay. Awakening is not natural. It's it's hyper, not super, but hypernatural, meaning it goes beyond that which is the, the contraction of our mind and our ego. Our mind and ego at the base level, for instance, at our brain stem, our limbic system wants to feel connection because connection makes it feel safe, right? This work is about feeling totally unsafe. 
and then recognizing that, that in that total lack of safety, there is such incredible stillness, peace, openness. We awaken to that and then bring that back into everything in us that's connected. It's like we've just supercharged a life. Eric Byrne said your spinal cord would shrink if you didn't have enough stroking. That your spinal cord would shrink if you didn't have enough stroking. Yeah. Ego loves getting stroked. And if we can equate ego with spine, then okay. But I, I wouldn't. And with, with respect, I'll disagree with the, uh, the good doctor there. Uh, I think that what, what, our work to, what, what our work is, is getting beyond the needs. Getting beyond the sense of lack. We're not lacking anything. Anything. This very body has everything in it. It is an expression of infinity. It is infinity itself. There's nothing on the outside of infinity. Go team. <laughs>